You should have a uh, card in your bulletin. Would you find that card? I want to talk to you about that just a little bit. Um, that card is for you to ask a question. We've not done this before, but we are in uh, the end section of our Don't Be Afraid of the Ghost series. And if you have any questions about the work and the ministry of the Holy Spirit, jot down a question. And in a couple weeks, on December 3rd, we're going to answer, I'll answer some of those questions. But what we as a church staff have decided is we'll do our best at answering all the questions. So you might not get it answered on Sunday morning, but we'll get back to you with an answer. But you have to fill out the card and tell us your email address and make it legible so that we can figure out what exactly you're saying and uh, we'll do the best we can to get back to you. So I've got some of these buckets. There's one out there on the table, a couple as you head out over here on both sides. There's one in the ministry hub. You can hand it to one of the ushers. But anyway, uh, we'll give it a try. And if you have some questions, we'll attempt to answer those as a part of the final sermon in our series. We'll, uh, we'll give it a test run, see how it goes, okay? Uh, this is week number 10 in our series, Don't Be Afraid of the Ghost, 12-part um, series, 10. Uh, last week, we looked at Galatians 5 and verse 16. Got it up here on the screen. Uh, it says there to walk by the Spirit. So I say command, imperative, walk by the Spirit, which is interesting because we spent three weeks before that, Ephesians 5, verse 18, command, imperative, be filled with the Spirit. And this is extra interesting, at least I think so. Both of them, those verbs, walk, and be filled are in the present tense, and it's a continuous tense. In other words, walk with the Spirit, walk by the Spirit, be filled with the Spirit right now, and continuously stay filled. Keep walking by the power of the Spirit. You understand it? It's not just a once and then I'm done. No, the challenge is I get filled, and I continuously, daily continue walking and being filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's not a suggestion. It's a what? Command. It's a command. That, that is the command for you and I as followers of Jesus. Now, here's where the rub comes in. Okay, I get it. Get filled. Stay filled. Present tense. Continuously tomorrow, get up and do the same thing. But the challenge is we have this conflict, we have this war within us. And that's what it says there in that same verse. Here's, here's the conflict. We still have our old sinful, selfish flesh alive after salvation in Jesus Christ. And, and our old sinful, selfish flesh is at war with the new, the, the Holy Spirit the new life in Christ, and you got this wrestling match. Now, there are those who teach, no, no, 
no, no, I, I, I think I've arrived. I don't think I sin anymore. And I always chuckle at those people. And, and I usually ask, I've heard a couple men say that, and I usually ask, do you mind if I talk to your wife? Can, can I talk to your children? I, I'd like to hear a little bit how, how they feel about the fact that you've arrived and you don't sin anymore. And you dig down a little bit, and then they say, well, I don't really, I, I, I just make mistakes. Oh, oh, no, now we're mistakes, but those, I'm missing the mark, but I'm calling it a mistake, and, and that's, you understand. No, no, none of us have arrived. This side of glory, we've got this battle royale between the old flesh dog and the new spirit dog. That's, that's the challenge that we have before us. Look at verse 16, it says, command, quit gratifying Quit making room, quit making provision for the old flesh dog. What's the problem? Some of us, we're we're taking really good care of that old flesh sinful dog within us. We, We pamper that old dog, we feed it regularly, and now suddenly I have a 200 pound Rottweiler living inside of me called my old flesh. Tracking with me? And now I'm feeding and gratifying and taking really good care of my old, sinful, selfish Rottweiler dog. And the new life in Jesus, <laughs> he hardly ever gets taken care of. I hardly ever feed the, the new life in Jesus. And now I got this eight-pound toy poodle called Jesus in me. You understand what I'm saying? And we got this 200-pound Rottweiler that we're allowing in our life and we're feeding it and taking really good care of the old sinful, selfish dog, and I got this little eight-pound toy poodle, and I'm wondering why my toy rear end is getting whooped. Do you understand what I'm saying? Why, why am I losing this battle so much? Why, why am I not victorious in Christ? We saw this last week. Quit feeding the old dog. Quit making room. Quit making provision. It's... That, that old Rottweiler is, is eating your lunch and, and kicking your little toy tail. Knock it off, he says. Crucify it. Today, we're going to examine verses 19 to 21. Um, and that's the works of the flesh. Uh, got that up here on the screen. Uh, we're going to look at the details. There's 15 works or acts of the flesh. Um, and uh, they're pretty ugly, but they're given to us for a reason. And I want to talk to you about why, 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 why did the Lord get these 15? To, why did he make it a part of his book? What is it that they're supposed to be good for in our life? Why should I know about in detail the, the hideous 15, as I like to call them? Well, we're going to talk about that today. Uh, We're going to start with verse 16, get a little run up to it, and then we'll read after it what we're going to look at next week, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. But if you're able, would you stand with me once again? We're going to read from verse 16. We're going to read down through verse 23 out loud together. Ready? Let's read God's word together. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. 
But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Let's pray together. Lord, thanks for recording this section of your book and you inspired the Apostle Paul to write it down and it got down on parchment exactly as you intended. Thank you for that. And Lord, you, you even have preserved these words for us down throughout church history. We want to say thank you for that. And we're grateful that we get to worship you together now as we study and dig into your book. So would you meet us? We invite, like we do most Sundays, the, the presence and the power of the third person of the Trinity. We invite right now Jesus in spirit form to come. And Lord, you're welcome today. We welcome you into your church corporately. And more specifically, Lord, now, we invite you to come. And individually, you come and meet us. We need you to teach us and challenge us and convict us and teach us what we need to know today from your book here in this section. Speak, Lord. We're listening this morning. And all the church family at Walloon Lake said with one voice, you can be seated. I'm convinced that the 15 acts of the flesh are given to us, listed it, Galatians 5, 19 to 21. See, see the screen right now? As God's rumble strips for us, his children. Okay? What's a rumble strip? You know, on the highway, you know, if you're not paying attention to the road and you're not looking, maybe you're sleepy, maybe you're distracted, Maybe you're doing something on the phone you shouldn't be doing, um, and you hit the rumble strip, what, what does it do? It jolts you awake. It's like, uh-oh, I'm headed for the ditch. I, it, it's going to be bad. So whether I, I'm going left toward other cars or whether I'm going for the ditch, uh, the rumble strip wakes you up. Look at verses 19 to 21. The hideous 15 it's kind of nice to call it that. You want to say it with me? Hideous 15. Say it. Hideous 15, yeah. They appear on the radar of your life. It should prompt us to take immediate action. I don't want to be in a head-on collision with sin, and I don't want to collide with people around me that I love and I, I say I care about, but when the hideous 15 are a part of my life, somebody's going to get hurt. Might be me, might be... Other folks might be all of us, but when the hideous 15 are a part of our life, we, uh, we need to wake up. We need to be aware. So we're going to take some time now 
and look at the 15 rumble strips, if you will. And uh, we're going to look at them each individually just for a few moments. And I like this chart because it breaks them down into four different categories. And I think it makes a little more sense. So here we go. We're going to examine each of the 15 in a little bit of detail. Number one thing listed, first of the hideous, poisonous 15 is sexual immorality. All sex outside of marriage includes all the forms. So this is a big, broad word, porneia. We get the word pornography. It includes, obviously, pornography. It includes prostitution, homosexuality, fornication, adultery, sex outside of marriage. Um, Again, all sex outside of the boundaries of marriage Sexual immorality, that's the first. Number two, impurity. Kind of related to it, it's in the same. Uh, In the physical sin category, it's evil, sinful thoughts and intentions. It's a mind that's filthy, that oozes with sinful ideas. And some of you, you get that because you've been there. Number three, debauchery. That's unrestrained sexual indulgence. If, if the first sexual immorality and impurity hang around your life, after a while, you have no shame. Uh, someone with a sexual appetite out of control. That's the idea, debauchery. Second category, spiritual sins. Number four, idolatry. That's worshiping anything other than the Creator. That's worshiping and having your, your affections and your devotion to anything other than the creator. That can be a something or that can be a someone. That, that can be something like money. That can be your possessions. That can be your idol that's not Jesus Uh, It can be anybody or anyone, and as followers of Jesus, if anyone or anything has the affection of your heart and your devotion more than Jesus, you've moved into the area of idolatry. Number five, witchcraft. That's uh, involvement in the world of the demonic. That's involvement and dabbling and flirting with the strongholds of Satan. In, In that takes lots of different forms, but it's like a category. And as soon as we're over there playing around in Satan's turf, witchcraft. Third category. And you'll note, this is the one that has the most of them. And this regards uh, sins that we commit against other people. These are sins from me to you and you to me and the people around you. And and them to you. Number six, hatred. That is out of control anger and malice with a burning desire to do or see harm come to somebody else. So either I want to hurt you or I want someone else to harm you. Either way, I'm okay with it. But I just so am burning with hatred and malice and anger. I want to see bad things happen. Hatred. Number seven, discord. Hostilities. Strife. I I don't like you, 
and, and I don't care about you, and I don't care if bad things happen to you because you're on the other team. Jealousy. Selfish resentment of another person's success or another person's gifts or another person's position. Make sense? I, I resent you because of your success. I resent you because of your gifts and your talents or I resent you because of the position you possess. I don't like you because of that. Fits of rage, uncontrolled outbursts of anger and ugliness. Selfish ambition. My life, it's all about me. My favorite three people are who? Me, myself, and I. And I want other people to fail. I want you to look bad because I want me to look good in comparison, looking for others to fail. Dissensions, causing divisions, causing other people to fall and fail because they're either listening to my bad advice or they're following my bad example. (laughs) Dissensions. Number 12, factions. Similar, but a little bit different. This is cliques. This is divisions You're not good enough to be a part of my group. We're exclusive. And I know you want to be a part of my in-group because we're the best group, but you're not welcome. Well, you're not welcome. No, thank you. You aren't good enough to be a part of my amazing group. Number 13, envy. That's jealousy's ugly twin brother. Okay, Envy is I desire what the Lord has given you. I I have a grudging spirit toward what the Lord has given to someone else. You have it, and I want it for me. And I'm not happy that you have it, and I don't have it. That's envy. The fourth of the uh, categories, lack of discipline sins. Uh, First is listed drunkenness, uh, being controlled by alcohol, which weakens our ability to control our words and our behavior. I would argue a manifestation of this is being controlled by any substance and allowing any substance to control my words, my behavior. Clearly at this time, church at Galatia, that was the main issue was drunkenness, was alcohol and they were losing the ability to control their words, their behavior. Last one listed, number 15, orgies. This is an interesting word. It uh, implies alcohol has been consumed to the excess, and now I'm out of control, and I'm actively looking for sexual immorality to satisfy my appetite. In other words, it's kind of putting uh, being drunk and out of control with some substance together with your sexual appetites, that leads to the 15th of the acts of the flesh. These 15 works of the flesh are the worst and the most repulsive activity of mankind. And I would argue it's not just these 15 manifest themselves in hundreds. These are the roots but then they show themselves in thousands of different manifestations, if you will. So you got one of these roots, and, and you follow it down, and it goes to one of these 15. But 
But they're all ugly. They, they really are. Here's the point. When we see any form of the poisonous effects of the 15, we should recognize that's a guardrail. <laughs> Lord, that's a guardrail, and a guardrail says to me, be careful, because this guardrail is here for a reason, and if I ignore the guardrail, I possibly might even go over the guardrail, and I won't just go into the ditch, I might fly over the cliff, and it might be disastrous. It might be deadly for me. That's the idea here with the poisonous 15. It's God's gracious guardrail or God's speed bumps to wake us up from the drift towards sin that we're in. You see what I'm talking about? Uh, you, you can plow right over the guardrail if you're not paying attention, if you're not aware, and that will take you to really awful places. We pay attention this time of year to our thermostat, don't you? Some of you are like the thermostat Nazi this year, this time of year, aren't you? You know? Nope, not going above 68. Why? Why don't you want it too warm? And why are others of you thinking, I don't want it too cold, right? So, so why, why are we paying attention to the thermostat? And the answer? It's expensive. <laughs> it's expensive. It really is. So we pay attention to the thermostat in our home. We check our speed when we're driving, especially if you see a patrol car, don't we? The moment you see, you could be, you know you're going the speed limit. You see the patrol car, what do you do instantly? I know I do it. Check my speed, yeah. I, I hope I'm still going the speed that I thought I was going. Uh, we also check our gas gauge. Why do we check our gas gauge often? Anybody tell me why? Why do we check our gas gauge so much? I don't want to run out of gas. I, I, I don't want to be on the side of the road. That's a bad feeling. We check our blood pressure. And I actually Googled last night, why do we check our blood pressure? It says to make sure we're not putting extra strain on our arteries and our hearts. Okay, as followers of Jesus, here's our responsibility. Check our lives against the hideous 15. I need to check my life to make sure my actions, Lord, are my words, are my thoughts, are my attitudes, am I hitting the speed bump? Am I sliding towards the ditch? Am I headed towards the cliff? Lord, I need to know that. Look at verse 24. Here's what it says, Galatians 5 and verse 24. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. I got to make sure that I'm not heading out into the, the hideous and the poisonous 15. The first step is for us to continually check, Lord, am I on the rumble strip? Lord, Lord, am I seeing evidence? Lord, make it clear, am I headed towards the guardrail? I would even offer some extra credit. Anybody into extra credit this morning? Can I see your hand? Four of you are into extra. Okay, the rest of you can, can play along here, but I'm going to give you some extra credit. Am I allowing some form of the fruit to manifest and take root in my life? Here's the extra credit. You ready? Give permission, if you're married, to your husband or your wife to point out, you know, hon, I'm seeing some evidence of the uh, really ugly 15 
displayed in your life right now. Now, you need to say it gently, husband, wife, okay? But if you really want to know, give permission to someone who's a trusted friend. Give permission to somebody in your small group. I want you, when you see me on the rumble strip and headed toward the ditch, I really want to know, speak up. Can I say that's a loving thing? It's a loving thing to give someone permission to wake you up and say, no, no, this isn't good. The words coming out of your mouth, your behavior right now, it lines up with the 15 hideous acts of the flesh. Wake up. You're headed to the ditch. One final verse. Slide down to verse 21. Paul says to the church at Galatia, church at Walloon, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Live like how? (laughs) Go back to verses 19 to 21. This is the, the final exclamation at the end of the 15. He says, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this, all of those 15 roots of the ugly 15 appearing, Those who live that way will not inherit the kingdom of God. So I need to ask you a question. How many of you have been jealous since you said yes to Jesus ever? Can I see your hands? Okay. And there's a few of you. um, You struggle with lying because you didn't lift your hand up there in the balcony. I I was watching, okay? Yeah. Okay, so so you might not struggle with jealousy, but lying is, is, is a part of your struggle. Um, how many of you have ever loved and worshipped and put something other than Jesus above your devotion to Jesus? Can I see your hands? Yep. Okay. Watching balcony. And, and I, we, they didn't raise their hands again. I'm telling you, those people up there think they're perfect. You know, I want to talk to your, your children. I want to talk to your mom and dad. I want to talk to your, no. How many of you don't have to raise your hand this time? How many of you, any form of sexual immorality have you dipped your toe or maybe jumped in? Jesus says, adultery in your heart. If you've even thought it in your head. Have you ever, have you ever had too much alcohol or some other substance since you said yes to Jesus? Do you notice it's very quiet in here right now? So, um, is this verse saying, let's, let's run with this a little bit. If you ever go over the rumble strip, if you ever fly over the guardrail and get up to your eyeballs in one of these acts of the flesh, does that mean I won't inherit the kingdom of God? Is that, is that what Paul's saying here? Is he saying that, that if I see any of these 15, if I'm jealous, if I'm envious, if I have too much, any of those 15, does that mean he boots us out of his chosen family? That, that I'm no longer a part and belong to Jesus? Is that what he's saying? Look at verse 21, because this is key, okay? Key words, those who live like this. need to tell you about the tenses here. It matters. Those who practice this type of life, continuous, present, daily activity, where one or more of the fruits of the flesh is continuously, regularly hanging on your life. That's the idea. It's not once, it's no, that's 
regularly a part of your normal habitual lifestyle is to live in sin. You understand? He's saying, verse 21, that's an indicator that Jesus and his spirit are not in your life. It's, it's a bad warning. Note the warning. If your life is regularly filled with the fruit of the flesh, it very well may be a sign that you don't belong to Jesus. If the normal, present tense, continuous activity of your life is you're a part in your life, you're, you're over the guardrail and you're involved in those hideous 15, if that's a regular daily part of your life, that's a bad sign. You very well might not be a part of God's family. That's what he's saying. But I raised my hand. (laughs) But I prayed a prayer, Pastor Jeff. I walked an aisle. I I signed a card. Um, Let's look again what he says. But those who truly belong to Jesus cannot continuously live in the pit of sin and rebellion. Those two don't coexist. Continuously, daily, long-term, bad sign. It's a sign that your life has gone over the guardrail of God's word, and now it's clear you're mostly living in sin and the flesh. 2 Corinthians 13.5. you got your Bible. I'll go there, but I'll put it up here. Um, on on the screen for you. But here's what it says. It says, um, church, we should regularly be examining ourselves. We should regularly be testing our lives to see if we're really in the faith. Think about that. Test yourself. Examine yourself and make sure that you really belong to Jesus. I got to tell you, more than anything else, being a pastor, being a shepherd of the flock here at Wallen, what keeps me up, what, what makes me crazy, if you will, more than anything else, concerns me more, is that some of you folks who I love deeply might not genuinely know and love Jesus. Do you understand what I'm saying? I love you, and I love you enough that this is why I warn you. It's possible that you're here, and you made some sort of outward profession. Again, raised a hand, prayed a prayer, signed a card, walked the aisle. That's wonderful. But Matthew chapter 7, give me your eyes. Jesus says, on the day of judgment, many, some translators say most, Most people on the day of judgment will be shocked. Why? Because they thought they were fine. Why? Because they're religious and they did religious things and they, they, they did some sort of outward response. But Jesus says, I never knew you. Yeah, you, you, you did some religious things, uh, but you never belonged to me. I, I never took up residence in your life. My spirit never took up residence, and there was never good fruit to show in your life. Apart from me, I never knew you, you evildoers. Strong words. And Jesus says many, most people are going to be shocked on the day of judgment. I have to ask you, possible? 
that on the day of judgment you'll be in that many or most and Jesus will say, I'm sorry, you never knew me. I never knew you. There was never a connection. I, I, never, I never sealed your life with the Holy Spirit. I, I never wrote your name down in the Lamb's book of life, Revelation chapter 20. Apart from me. Is that possible for you? I love you too much not to challenge you as we close right now. Away from me. Let's pray. Strong words, I, I get it. Hard words, it's true. But isn't it far worse to have the day of judgment that Matthew 7 and Jesus talks about and that's when you're shocked? That's when you're dismayed and it's like, oh man, this is awful. I never tested myself well. I never examined myself fully. And now it's too late. I have great news. It's not too late today. Isn't that good news? It's not too late right now. So Lord, uh, you know my heart. I'm not wanting to frighten or alarm anyone needlessly who belongs to you. But Lord, those who are in danger of being shocked on the day of judgment, would you uh, speak and whisper and nudge them right now? There's not evidence of the Holy Spirit alive and active. If the evidence actually points to mostly the poison of the 15 fleshly acts as the dominant activity, would you... Would you speak to that right now? Final question. Anybody say, you know what? I don't think I know Jesus. Don't see much evidence of the Holy Spirit. Don't see much fruit of the new life in Christ. Actually, the general direction of my life seems to indicate the Holy Spirit's mostly absent. Lots of fruit of the flesh is the general direction of my life. It's not too late. If that's what you're thinking, great news. Not too late. Today you can take care. You can go from failing the test to passing the test. You can go from headed to judgment to headed to eternal life with Jesus. Is that not amazing? Today... You can turn that around. Jesus, today, I want to cement that relationship. I, I want to know that I know that I belong to you. Anybody say, that's me. <laughs> I don't want to fail this test. Far too important. Most important test in all of history. Today, I want to know that I know and cement that relationship. Anybody lift your hand? I'm not going to make you stand. I'm not going to make you come forward. Yep. But anybody say, I'm not really sure. I, I hope so. But I'm going to turn that I hope so into I know Jesus. So anybody else? Are there others? Anybody in the balcony? I'm looking at you right now. Anybody up there? Yep. Anybody else? Most important test you'll ever be asked to take. Anybody else? Okay, so we got some hands went up. 
going to talk through and pray through and declare through the gospel facts. I know many and most of you already know Jesus, so here's what you're doing. You're reaffirming the facts. You're, You're reaffirming the facts of the gospel that brought you to Jesus. So that's amazing. And more than that, you're even rehearsing them for tomorrow and next week that you can share the gospel facts with the people around you. But those of you who raised your hands, this is how you become a follower. When it's the cry of your heart, Jesus, I believe those facts and I receive them. Okay, so everybody, write out loud and let's do it boldly and strongly. Jesus, I believe. You are the perfect sinless Lamb of God. And Jesus, I believe that you took my place on the cross. And Jesus, I believe that you shed your precious blood for my great sin problem. And Jesus, I believe you took my place in the tomb. And Jesus, I also believe that early on Sunday morning, you arose from the dead for me. You defeated sin and Satan and death, and you did that for me. And Jesus, I believe you're alive right now on the throne, and now I receive you as Savior and Lord. By faith, come take charge of my life. Be my king, be my boss, be my Lord for the rest of my days. No turning back. Those are the facts. They're to be believed and received. If you did that for the first time or if you made sure of that, tell somebody. And guess what? I cemented that decision. And now as the ushers come forward and we receive the benevolent offering, thank you, Lord, that we can give to the church family who's in need. Thank you, Lord, that we can give to the community and show them as followers of Jesus Christ Show them in a very tangible way the love of your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for all that are about to give. Thank you for the generous hearts of your church family here. We give out of a generous and willing heart now in Jesus' name.